Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 30. You can find this in your pew Bible on pages 494 and 495. Listen now for the word of the Lord. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks for his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Before we turn to the New Testament lesson, I just want to say what a privilege and joy it is to be led so ably in worship by these young people. Um, Most of what you have heard so far was written by them, uh, kind of uh, envisioned by them. The theme of this entire day uh, was, was a dream and product of their imagination. And so thank you all for the great job that you are doing. Although, you know, I'm not sure I totally appreciate the the really high bar that has been set now for children's sermons. I don't play the ukulele. Uh, I guess I'll be trying to find something to pull out of my hat. No, but it's all been really, really wonderful. But our New Testament lesson comes from John's Gospel, the first chapter uh, of John. And then these are the first words of the entire Gospel. And I'm actually going to read all the way through verse 14. So listen now for the Word of God to the church. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all men might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name... He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. 
And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So many moons ago, when I was living and working in Washington, D.C., right after college, a few friends of mine and I planned a weekend camping trip up in the mountains of western Maryland. There are actually a number of national and state parks that are right there, just a short drive away. And this was something that actually President Warren G. Harding would do on a fairly regular basis back in the 1920s, although his camping companions usually included people like Henry Ford and Harvey Firestone and Thomas Edison. So the only thing that we really had in common with Harding's consortium of brilliant and powerful minds was the route that we drove uh, to get from Washington to the trailhead and maybe a common love and respect of the outdoors. I think it's a pretty safe assumption that the level of our conversation never approached the lofty heights as I expect theirs did. We backpacked into the park for a few miles. We found a good place to camp, and after we had eaten supper and cleaned up, we sat around the campfire talking. It was autumn, and the night was chilly, but it was not uncomfortable. And every now and then, we would hear something outside of the campsite, out in the darkness. It was one of those sounds that you don't think about much until you keep hearing it. The noise was a crunch like the sound of a person taking a single step in the leaves. Now, the more we heard the sound, the more we debated about what it was, and it seemed that the more we debated about what it was, the more often we heard the sound. And before we knew it, there we were, four able-bodied men in their 20s, all absolutely convinced that we were about to be attacked by any number of armed assailants. Now, we weren't completely uh, out of left field on this, not long before there was actually a couple that had been found murdered out on the Appalachian Trail. And back down in D.C. in these very weeks, there had been a spree of shootings on interstate highways. So, in, you know, people's concerns were high. People's vulnerability was up. These things were in the news. So it didn't take much to send our imaginations running in all kinds of dark directions. The light from the fire just didn't go very far out beyond our circle. And we just could not see what was out there. Darkness can play all kinds of tricks on us. It can disguise the truth. It can make a shadow look like something it's not. It can create a spirit of fear. It can whisper a lie that the light is far away from us and that even if the light was close, that the light would be completely and utterly outmatched. In the language of the Bible, night is a time of danger. Darkness is associated with sin, deceit, faithlessness, unfruitful works, all of which stand in contrast to the light, the light of salvation, the light of faith, the light of righteousness and hope. Now, the Bible does recognize the truth that it's not the darkness itself that we fear. What we fear are the things that are hidden by the darkness. In the darkness, we're exposed to threats that are unseen. In the darkness, we are more vulnerable. These dangers that are hidden by darkness, this world that was unsafe 
and a world without order. That is what existed in Genesis in the beginning when the world was dark. But then the Lord entered into the darkness and the Spirit of God hovered over the dark waters of chaos. And the first words uttered into that darkness and into that chaos were the divine imperative, let there be light. The Gospel of John very intentionally connects the advent of that first celestial light with the advent of the light of Christ, the coming of the Word who became flesh and lived among us. What has come into being in him, John says, was life, and that life was the light of all people. In a new and ultimately complete way, God's light once again entered the world to contend against the perils of chaos, to find us in our weakness, to rescue us from the dark pit. And this light continues to shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That profession, in my humble opinion, encapsulates the good news of the New Testament better than any other single phrase in the New Testament, that the darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. I heard a story one time about a mother who wanted to share this good news with her little boy who was very afraid of the dark. And one night she asked him to go out to the back porch and to bring her a broom. And he looked outside and his eyes filled with dread. Mom, I don't want to go out there. It's dark out there. You don't have to be afraid of the dark, she said in a gentle way. Jesus is out there. He'll look after you and he will protect you. The little boy thought for a moment. Are you sure he's out there? Yes, I'm sure, she said. Jesus is everywhere, even in the dark, and he is always ready to help you when you need him. The little boy walked slowly over to the back door, and he pushed it open just a crack. And peering out into the darkness, he said, Jesus, if you're out there, do you mind handing me the broom? (laughs) It's a pretty good joke. But more importantly, I think it speaks to a situation that we never really outgrow. My friends and I were in our 20s. We had never outgrown that idea that things could be out there in the darkness that were bad. If anything, we had learned a lot more about the bad things that can be out there in the darkness. Everyone sitting in this room knows about the bad things that can be out there in the darkness. And we're all contending with those things. Things that are real, things that are imagined, things that may not be, but might be. That's why this good news never loses its power for us. That's why John's words in his first chapter of this ancient cosmic hymn to the cosmic Christ are still so precious to us. We read in our English Bibles that the word became flesh and lived or dwelt among us. But the literal translation of the Greek is even better, in my opinion. The Greek says that the enfleshed word, the full glory and power of God pitched a tent with us. It's the same Greek word used to describe the tabernacle of Exodus, that huge traveling tent 
that the Israelites built and carried through the wilderness where Moses encountered the living God, where the holy place was, where the glory of the Lord lived among the people. In other words, God did not simply come to live with us in Jesus Christ. God came to camp out with us. Wherever we may have pitched our little tents in the world, Whatever storms may be raging above and around those tents, whatever darkness or enemy or threat may be surrounding them, Christ has come to set up camp right there with us. And with him comes light, the light of God, the light of understanding, the light of salvation and hope and everything that is good. And that light may seem weak at times, but it is there, and the darkness will never overcome it. That's why when people in difficult situations come to talk to me, if they're depressed or overwhelmed or frightened or angry, I often ask them whether in their darkness they can see any shafts of light. Is there something in your life? Is there a person, a cause, a hobby, a project, Is there something in your life that seems good or pure or right? Because if we look hard enough, we can always find something like that. And then I urge them to go toward that light. Grope your way to it as best as you can. My wife gave me this advice just this past week. We all need this advice. It never gets old. It never goes stale. We all need to be reminded that the light of Christ is always around us. We just need to trust that it is there and seek it with faith. A few weeks ago, Barbara Lore Fox arranged for the Valdosta State Chamber Singers to come and lead us in worship and to give a short concert after the 1115 service. And during that really glorious concert. I hope you were here for it. My favorite song that they sang was a beautiful one by Kim Andre Arneson that was inspired by some graffiti that was found in a cellar in Cologne, Germany. During the darkest days of World War II, hundreds of terrified Jewish people hid in that cellar to avoid capture by the Nazis. And it's likely that the person who wrote this graffiti did not survive the Holocaust but his or her written profession endures as a powerful beacon of faith. Scrawled on that dark, damp cellar wall were these words, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I feel it not. I believe in God even when he is silent. I think this is the essence of the faith which these 43 young people are embracing this morning as they confirm the vows of their baptisms and become full and active members of the Church of Jesus Christ. For eight months, our confirmands have been studying and preparing to walk as children of light. They have been working hard to lay a firm foundation of faith, to build their spiritual house on rock, to begin to construct the tabernacle, the tent of their own faith, and to claim a truth that can guide them well for the rest of their lives. The truth that no matter how deep the darkness seems, that God has pitched a tent right beside them, and that in that tent is the light of the world. 
And that light will always be with them in the midst of their joys and their storms. They were only rabbits, in case you were wondering what those sounds were around the campfire. They were rabbits. We know that because when the sun came up the next day and in the light of day, we found some evidence uh, that had been left behind in little piles. So on that night, we really didn't have a lot to fear from the darkness. But the darkness is still real, and the darkness can still play all kinds of tricks on us, can still disguise the truth, can still make a shadow look like something it's not, it can still whisper the lie that the darkness is greater than the light. But don't you believe it? The light of the world is here with us. The light of the world is in this church. There is hope for where we are going. There's a spirit stirring that says we can overcome anything that's been holding us back. And the only proof I need this morning is in these 43 shining faces. Young people who are ready to embrace the church ready to tackle the world, ready to begin a lifelong journey that is based on the bedrock affirmation, I will believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I will believe in love, even when it seems far away. I will believe in God, even when God seems to be silent. I hope we'll say those words with them. I hope we'll believe those words with them. Let's be the church of Jesus Christ with them. Thanks be to God. Amen.